Happy uh, football day. <coughs> Nathan's not feeling so hot today. Keep him in your prayers. Feels like the Titans did all season, I think. But uh, <laughs> It's just too easy. I thought of like ten of them on the way here. I was like, which one will I use? I don't know. It's football day, so I mean, you know, you got to talk about it. Um, I remember one time we went to the Super Bowl. That was fun, right? We're, we become those people, you know, that like all the other everywhere else in America, they talk about, oh, yeah, they're always going to talk about, you know, the Music City Miracle. Yeah, we're those people. That's us. That's okay, though. We'll take it. It's good times. Um. Um, real quick, uh, man, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for worshiping. Um, uh, I want to thank uh, just there's so many folks that are plugging in right now and just jumping in to spots to serve. Uh, and I know some, some folks are even right now just trying to figure out what that looks like. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you. I, I just I see, I see God working in so many different ways and through so many different ministries right now within our church. And um, you know, that, that doesn't happen through just pastors. Uh, it happens when the, when the church is the church, when the, when the body uh, is serving Jesus well. And so I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, just uh, I'm so grateful for the stories of grief share classes and, and all other sorts of things that I'm getting to hear, just snippets of. Uh, and uh, it's just awesome to see God, God working. Um, we, uh, we're in this uh, series in Proverbs uh, right now, life goals, and uh, we uh, we're walking through uh, just different uh, different parts of Proverbs. Uh, so far, we've been kind of walking almost chapter by chapter, and 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 whatnot. We'll be we'll start jumping around here pretty quick, but uh, we're going to do one more week of being kind of close to where we've been, but moving moving forward a little more. Um, last week, if you missed it, uh, you know was uh, was fun, and uh, I I enjoyed last week, and I hope you did too. We, uh, we talked about adultery, uh, we talked about sex, we talked about marriage, we talked about all sorts of things, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, so I don't know, part of me just wants to go back and just revisit that one, we just go back and do parts of it again anyway, but uh, uh, maybe, maybe not today, maybe another day, um, but uh, no, today we're in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, if you've got a, a Bible and you want to go there with us, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, they would be glad to bring you one, and uh, if you don't own one, you can keep that one. And uh, congrats to uh, Wayne and Ellen on uh, their uh, uh, marriage this week, uh, which was pretty awesome. So, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just cool stuff kind of happening here, there, and everywhere. Um, this uh, this passage, you know, reminds me. Uh, it, in fact, this passage. Uh, before we jump into this passage, I'm just going to uh, kind of warn you about the warning. Uh, this passage is full of warnings. Okay. And so if you weren't careful, if you were just kind of like coming into this and you're not used to studying Scripture and not stu- used to like trying to figure out where the Bible fits into your life, uh, it might feel like this passage is like ordering you around and like very jarring and very, oh my gosh, this is in my face and, you know, oh, Scripture's just trying to, you know, God just trying to tell me what to do kind of thing. Um, back up off that. Uh, this is a warning, Okay. So imagine, you know, uh, your very best friend is about to do, like, one of the dumbest things of their life, and you see it coming, right? And you've probably done this for your best friend at some point in time and been like, 
I don't think you need to do this. I think this is going to end badly for you, okay? That's, that's where this passage is going. And so uh, there's a bunch of warnings. It, it, it really reminds me, uh, you know, I, I've, and I've seen this meme. You've probably seen it too, so I won't, I won't just take credit for it. But, um, you know, about uh, I really thought that when I grew up that quicksand was going to be a bigger deal to have to deal with in life, right? I mean, did anybody else miss that? Because... I mean, just based on Scooby-Doo alone, I thought quicksand I thought quicksand was something that we would be running into, I mean, just all the time, you know? Uh, right, stop, drop, and roll. You know, and then recently, I, I, somebody I knew was on fire, and, and they were like, I didn't know what to do. Actually, I remember who it was, and I'm not going to say who it is, because sometimes they're on stage. Uh, but uh, they were like, I didn't know what to do, and I was like, you didn't know what to do. You've, you've waited your whole life for this moment to follow through with the things, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so this is, uh, this is, this is warnings this morning for us as we jump into these uh, that hopefully you can understand that God has given us these warnings uh, for us to have to help help protect us, help keep us. Uh, some of it may feel a little random even, the way that this is broken up or whatever, because it's several warnings in a row uh, that we're going to look at. But in the end, uh, all of these together are helping us to be wise. Of course, again, this is the book of wisdom. Uh, it's helping us to, to get a grip on what it looks like for us to have wisdom, to be people who are wise people. Uh, and We'll get into a little bit more of, of kind of where that's going. But anyway, let's, let's jump into this. Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verse 1, and it says this. It says, my son, again, we have this, you know, father-son kind of talk, kind of approach going on here, but this is good for all of us, okay? It says, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger... If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Stop there for just a minute. Okay, so real quick, you're probably confused, and that's okay. Uh, so the, the, the very first part of this kind of jumps right in uh, to the warning. And, and the warning is, uh, you know, putting up security for your neighbor. And it's like, what? You're talking about, like, are we, like, helping them with a fence or something? No, this is actually talking about financially signing on for debt for your neighbor. This is, this is a financial thing. This is a, this is a warning about how to handle finances, okay? And so this is about securing debt for someone. And he's, he's basically saying here, this is generally an unwise thing to do. I just had a conversation counseling with somebody this week who is in this exact situation. I couldn't believe it as I was studying through and it was just like, oh man, this is so, you know, perfect that in, you know, this same week that we're actually studying scripture that talks about the very thing that this person uh, is in the middle of. And the truth is, is that, you know, it's easy to get in the middle of that, especially when you're talking about loved ones and, you know, children or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, hopefully not literally your neighbor, but, uh, you know, people do things sometimes that later on they wish uh, that they hadn't done. 
Uh, and and this, is, this is what it's getting into. It, it goes on and says, let's just start again. It says, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth. And so he's talking about, you know, if you have spoken up for them and gotten yourself trapped in this situation, and then he's coaching the listener through, you know, you need to get out. Get out of the situation. Okay, now let's, let's go back, you know, let's go back to one of the things that we talked about, the very first part of the series, when we first started talking about this. And one of those things was that wisdom is oftentimes knowing when to do certain things. So, you know, that we will get pieces of wisdom, especially through, you know, something like the Proverbs. But as we're getting these pieces of wisdom, it's not always necessarily true that we're always going to do that exact same thing every time. Wisdom comes to play when we know how to use those pieces of information at the right times, okay? And so, you know, same here. You may be sitting here today and going, oh my gosh, Chris just, you know, told us today that, uh, you know, we can't, uh, we can't, you know, co-sign for our kids to do this or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Scripture's saying, Okay. Uh, this is, again, information for us to be warned by, to be wise people. And you may say, well, what's the point? Like, well, what does God care about our money? Well, God, of course, cares about things like our money. All things that he has given us have been given to us to be used for his kingdom. And so this becomes an issue of if we get trapped into something that could ruin us, let's say, you know, we get talked into you know, our old friend that we haven't seen in years, and they show up and say, hey, you know, uh, you know I really need, to, really need a house. You think you could co-sign for us to have a house? We had some bad credit, you know, one time where, uh, you know, this happened or that happened or whatever, you know, then, you know, probably not a great idea, you know, because then what? You know, they, they don't make the payments on the house, and what happens to you? In fact, let me read this to you. I thought this was great. Ray Ortland had this in his commentary. And this is actually from the Federal Trade Commission. Like, this is how serious it is to co-sign for somebody on debt. It says this. This is from, again, the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, it says, you are being asked to guarantee this debt. Think carefully before you do so. If the borrower does not pay the debt, you will have to. Be sure you can afford to pay it if you have to, and that you want to accept this responsibility. It's given a warning, right? Right? It goes on, it says, you may have to pay up to the full amount of the debt if the borrower does not pay. You may also have to pay late fees or collection costs, which increase this amount. The creditor, this is a little scary, the creditor can collect this debt from you without first trying to collect from the borrower. The creditor can also use the same collection methods against you that can be used against the borrower, such as suing you, garnishing, garnishing you, your wages. If this debt is ever in default, that fact may become a part of your credit record. So, you know, think about it, right? And I think most people know, you say, Chris, I think most people you know, are not going to do that. You would be surprised what people get talked into. People get talked into sob stories all the time, and the next thing you know, they've done something that they wish they could undo, and they're trapped, which is exactly what Solomon is writing here. It's this whole, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, 
caught in the words of your mouth. You're trapped. And he's saying, do this, son. Save yourself. Get out, is what he's saying. Verse 3, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. The Hebrew verbiage there is actually uh, speaking of humility. He's basically saying, like, go and be willing to get on your knees before this person and beg for them to let you out of this junk. Like, you do not need to be there. Verse 4, give your eyes no sleep, your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. I mean, this is, you know, this is pretty serious stuff. He's like, you know, get out. Do whatever you got to do to get out. Get out now. Um, Again, it's always like, when do you do things? Do you never help someone in a situation like that? No, that's not what I'm saying. Be wise in when you do. Don't just go offer it willy-nilly. Don't, don't be on the Pleasant View uh, Face City Facebook page today going, hey, anybody need a loan? You know, I'll help you. I'll hook you up. You know, I've got, I've got pretty good credit. I'm pretty good for signing for it. Just buy me a steak or something, right? No, don't do that. It goes on. The passage goes on. So we have this warning, you know, that's about securing debt for someone that could, you know, basically saying this will ruin you if you're not careful, could ruin you financially, which will affect your ability to do with the things that God has given you for the kingdom, right? And we'll get into that in a little while. Uh, You know, and so then he goes on. He says this in verse 6. He says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise without having any chief officer or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard, when you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Okay, we're going to stop there and kind of talk about this for a few minutes. All right, so verse 6 there, you know, go to the ant. You know, this is not talking about your mom's sister, okay? This is not, it's not that kind of ant. You know, it's not that favorite ant that always bought you the cool toys, uh, you know, or whatever when you were a kid. No, no, this is, this is talking about a literal insect, this is, this is Solomon, and, and, and may I remind us that Solomon was known for being like the wisest dude ever, and God uses him to give us the Proverbs so that we can have this collection of pieces of wisdom along the way, right? And so for us to hear him say this, it sounds a little funny. He's like saying, go to the ant, you know, consider her ways. On top of that, he's throwing in He's throwing in a little bit of name calling right here, okay? It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, okay? O sluggard. He says, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief, officer, or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What in the world is he talking about? He's basically saying, if you want to know how to make it through life, you need to find a work ethic like the ant, He's saying, get your leadership principles from the ant if you can't find anything better because you're a sluggard. We're back. Um, all right, we're 
where we at? <laughs> um, the old slugger. That's right. That's right. That's what I get right there. Um, you know, and so yeah, he's he's speaking to anyone that is struggling with actually following through thing with things. You know, uh, anyone that's struggling with actually doing the work that they should do. And so he literally is getting into this a little bit of a name calling here because it's fitting, you know. Uh, and, and then in verse 9, he goes on and says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? He's speaking to the, to the, to the idea, you know, that you know, they're never getting up. You know, they're never getting out of bed. Uh, when will you arise from your sleep, he says. And then it goes into a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, for some of us, we, we hear this, we see this, and we're like, well, yeah, you know, we get that. You know, it's, it's, it really is. It's, a, it's about a work ethic. It's about being willing to work hard. It's about being willing to, to follow through with, you know, who we are as God's people even. Uh, you know, but he's, he's, he's using this idea of an ant to help us to see you know what does that what does that really look like? I actually um, had uh, spent a little bit of time on uh, Nat Geo Kids this weekend and uh, studied a little bit on what you know some little some little ant facts. Okay, uh, let, let me kind of throw a couple of these at you here real quick. Uh, ants are the longest living insects, which is pretty interesting. Uh, that would they they must all be female. Uh, because men are definitely not going to be the longest living, and we all know it, and there's plenty of video while on the Internet. Um, and then uh, it also says that ants are one of the world's strongest creatures in relation to its size, able to carry 50 times its body weight. 50 times its body weight. They're found on every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and they are social insects which live in colonies. You know, all, all of these, and there's, there's plenty of more stuff, you know, about ants, obviously, and I'm no ant expert, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of stuff that we see, you know, that, you know, we just see the work ethic. You see that, you know, and, and, and the scriptures talk about it right there, that, that they are basically constantly, like, moving forward. They're constantly working. They're constantly you know, hoarding, if you will, for uh, the next season while it's, while it's still, you know, they're, they're making hay while the sun is shining, so to speak. Uh, you know, that's, that's what they do. And, and here we are also called to follow in those examples, you know, and, and it, again, sounds so simple, but the truth is, is a lot of people struggle with this. Uh, you know, and the, here, here's the real truth. In, in all of us, all of us have a little bit of the sluggard, okay? There's a little bit of that in every one of us if we're, if we're just being super smart. i got to tell you, there's some days that it is all I can do to roll out of bed. I mean, just, I mean, I need somebody to kick me, drag me out of the bed, you know, and sometimes that's because I've been burning the candle or whatever it may be, but the truth is, is that we all have a little bit of that in us, you know, and, and here, here's where it lands, you know, it gets to that last, the second to the last verse of this section here, verse 10, and, and you hear the excuses right here, right? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. 
And then he says what? And poverty will come upon you like a robber. You know, I mean, and so basically he's like, you know, and, and, and even the next line, and want like an armed man. He's making clear if we make those excuses, if we allow ourselves to lie in that, then eventually what will happen is that laziness will rob us of our lives, of our things. And if we look at the ant, we see motivation, right? We see motivation. We see hard work. We see preparing for the future, even planning, if you will. I'm terrible at planning, you know? I have to, I have, to have people around me that, that want to plan and help me plan and make me think about planning. It's just, it's just not my strong suit, and I recognize that. And so to help counteract that, I try to have people that help me do those things. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, this is this reminder for us, you know, that we're called not to be lazy, but to accomplish things with our lives. You know, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I think that that's where for so many of us, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh man, but I, I you know, I work really hard, you know, great, that's awesome. I, I love I love getting to, I love getting to hear about the stuff that people do in their work. You know, I, you know that's why we love watching dirty jobs. You know, uh, other than you know it's fun to you know watch them get covered and stuff. You know, or whatever. Uh, you know, but I mean it's it's just you know it's interesting. It's 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 you know it's it's magnetizing really. Uh, you know, but for us to recognize that it's not just about us working hard for us, but it's really about us working hard. For the Lord. What's it say? Abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God wants to use our work as a testimony of what He's done in our lives and that people around us can see Him working at all times. This is, this is a huge piece of the puzzle in how we glorify God. And there's all kinds of Scripture that supports it. That calling that's in your life. What's that looking like today? What's the, what are the things that you know God has burned on your heart to be about in this life? What, what does it look like for you today to do that? And let me encourage you in that. Run after that. Run after those things that you feel like God has put on your heart and just see. Work hard at those things. See, see what God wants to do and what He has for you. If you don't, if you don't know how to flush that out, then, you know, talk with somebody. I'll, I'll talk with you. Counsel with somebody, another believer that, that loves you and cares for you and is willing to help with that. Uh, but don't, don't find yourself uh, being the sluggard, someone who uh, won't make up their mind. This is a couple things that uh, Ortland says, you know, someone who won't make up their mind, someone who won't finish things, someone who won't face things as they are. And again, we all have a little bit of that sluggard in us, but we have to be careful to not indulge it. Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians 4.28 says this. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is, you know, this is a great, a great thing for us. You know, let the thief no longer steal, but 
rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. That we don't just get for us, but we get that we might serve others, to point others to Jesus, to lead others to Jesus. This is what the work that we do is for. It's not actually just for our gain. Does God use it to uh, supply and provide and all those things for us? Yeah, absolutely. And that's really a byproduct of everything in that whole scenario of what God is leading us to do in our lives. Because at the end of the day, it's really for his glory. And so how do we glorify God in our work? We glorify God in our work by doing our best. We glorify God in our work by showing that we care and that it's not just about what we get out of it, but it's about what we can give to others through it. All right, verse 12 continues on. And in verse 12 it says, a worthless person, a wicked man. I, I told you it gets a little heavy in this, so don't, don't feel like it's trying to beat you up again. He's, he's, he's trying to warn us you know, from falling into things that can ruin us. He says, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart despises, uh, devises evil, continually sowing discord continually sowing discord. And so, you know, this is one that's going to come back up in just a minute. And then it keeps going. It says, therefore, calamity will come upon him quickly. Disaster will come upon him quickly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. So let's, let's kind of go back and look at this just real quick. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man. This is really, this is kind of entering into another section here. And this, this section is, is kind of headlined with, with this a little more name-calling kind of thing, uh, and it's, but it's an important name-calling. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a scare tactic, I think, on Solomon's part, that he wants us to get this and see this for what it is so that we don't fall into it, because generally speaking, we're not people who want to be worthless, right? And so he's saying a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about, and then he has these things, goes about with crooked speech winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. He's talking about this is somebody that's so lazy. Again, we're kind of going back to some of that, that, you know, they're just like, you know, just, you know, they're, they're not even willing to move on their own. They just want everybody to do everything for them, kind of an idea, you know, with the, with the feet and the eyes and all these other things. And, uh, and then he gets down to, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Now, this discord thing is, the sowing discord thing is going to come up again in just a minute, and, and we're going to wait on that, but it becomes an even bigger deal. But what he's trying to help us to see is like, you, you can't fall into this. Because if you fall into this, and here's, and here's the warning, like, he's, he's not just saying, hey, don't do this, and then leaves it at that. He's like, don't do this. If you do, here's what's going to happen, and that's verse 15. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly in a moment. He will be broken beyond healing. He's like, you don't want to go there. You know, and, and we've probably, we've all had moments in our lives where we, where we recognize that we've fallen into some of these things and, you know, how these things hurt us. And in general, we get the understanding and the idea that sin is, is destructive and that's why God doesn't want us to fall into it, right? 
You know, sin is one of those things that, you know, we have to be careful about it. If we're not careful about it and we allow it to be a part of our lives, it hurts us. And God loves us. The gospel leads us to understand that not only is he calling us to do our best, he's given us his best. He sent Jesus to die for us. We got, you know, we, what we should have got was the cross, and instead we've gotten grace, and, and he sent his son to take the cross on our behalf. What an amazing thing for us today. And so it's, it's, it's really not a, you know, checking off check boxes and don't do this and don't do that. No, it's, it's, it's a be wise. Take, take the wisdom and be wise and go and live your life for the kingdom, for God's glory, and don't get trapped, you know, don't get ensnared and all these things like it's talked about already through these passages, you know, and don't fall into things like, you know, laziness and, you know, becoming one of those people. And it's, and it's this, you know, we see, we see this progression to, you know, that these things are going to lead to someone who, you know, has a heart that devises evil and starts to sow discord amongst, amongst others. And, and this is a big deal for the Lord. This is a huge deal for the Lord. And, he, and then he says, you know, if you end up doing that, therefore calamity disaster will come upon him suddenly in a moment he will be broken beyond healing this will hurt us this will hurt you can god heal anything absolutely he can but we also know that physically we have limits right that if we just abuse our bodies and we abuse this life that eventually they will lead us into exactly what it's talking about right here Verse 16 goes on. You thought this was you thought we got into some heavy stuff before now. Look at verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Hello. Go use that today somewhere, you know? Try to use abomination with a waitress over lunch today if you can. I just I'd I'd love to and just post about it. Hashtag twenty-four is ridiculous or something. I don't know. You know, I'd love to hear about it. But, you know, I mean, look at this. You know, seven that are an abomination to him. And then here we have these lists. And I want want you to read these lists with me. And it says this in verse 17. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Kind of covered that, but he's coming back to it. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Now, this discord among brothers thing is so serious that, again, we're getting the repeat on this, you know, and and really even the way it lays, according to commentators that talk about the Hebrew language, the way that it lays in a list of stuff like this, the ultimate thing would be at the end of the list like this, okay? And so it's really really driving home like don't don't get caught up into that and the truth is is that if we're real honest with ourselves somewhere along the way we've probably all been caught up with that at some point in time where we've caused discord amongst others now uh you know definitely this definitely applies to the church right definitely applies to the body of believers but in general you know this sowing of discord uh, you know, amongst brothers, you know, I mean, this is, this is huge. This is important. Like, God hates this. This is the abomination, okay? 
Like that's how, that's how big a deal this is. And I'm reminded of Matthew 5, 9. You remember Matthew 5, 9? It says this, this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You see, God delights in our unity. He sent Jesus to bring us together, to be in community with one another, right? To, to, to be good friends, to be good neighbors, to be good brothers and sisters in Christ, to push each other toward Jesus, to, to glorify God in all the things, and it's so serious. And again, I know it sounds like that we're getting beat up with some of this stuff, but the truth is it's not about us getting beat up. It's about us being warned. He's like, don't fall into these things, the haughty eyes, the lying tongue, uh, shedding innocent blood, devising wicked plans uh, to make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, one who sows discord among brothers. It's a, it's a serious list. And at the end of all of it, I think instead of breaking down each one and saying, okay, let's, let's look at each of these things and figure out which things that we're struggling with, I, I just, I'm just going to encourage you today to, to take that list and just say, God, if, if there's some of that in my heart, I need you to show it to me, and I need you to help me kill it. I need you to help me heal from it. I need you to heal me of it. And he can, and he has. He sent Jesus to die on the cross that we might be free from sin. Ephesians 2 says this in verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. So that hard work, you know, that we take, you know, sometimes, sometimes we kind of take that and we're like, oh, look what, look what I did. Look what I got. How I did this. It's amazing, right? Look at me. Aren't you impressed? Right? That's kind of what we do. Here, verse 8 says, for, for by grace you've been saved through faith that no one may boast. Right? That no one may boast. Jesus is calling. <laughs> Too easy. He says, this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. You didn't earn this. So don't take these lists and start going, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better at this. I'm going to do this. Listen, yeah, it, it, let the Lord lead you and convict you in your heart and, and turn from sin and all those things. But don't make it a checklist like you're about to earn your salvation or you're about to earn God liking you more or loving you more or whatever it is. He's already loved you as much as He can. He sent Jesus for you and for me. And He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God Verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then he goes on, I love this, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, 
for good works, right? I'm going to read that again. For we were his workman, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, he already knows, right, that we should walk in them. So when you take the gospel and you look at it with a passage like this, and suddenly you realize this isn't just about some record of wrongs or something. It's about God warning us to help us to try to stay on track to be the people that He's not just only called us to be, but created us to be, to do the things that He's called us to do, and to do the things He's created us to do. Why? For us? So that we get cool stuff? No. For Him. For His kingdom. That we could glorify Him in all the things that God wants to use our lives for His glory. We've got to seek those good works for the glory of God. And today the life goal is this. It's don't be worthless. Don't fall in the quicksand, right? Don't get caught up in something that just wants to tear you down. Let God work in you for His glory. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I just want to say I'd love to pray with you about that, talk with you about that. Jesus came and died for you just like He did for me. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to change you. He may, want to, he may want to turn your life upside down. I'll just go ahead and tell you. But it's all for the good, all for His good and all for our good. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens, if you'll let it. If you'd like to talk about that, I'll be out in the foyer in just a moment when I get done praying and would love to talk with you. Let's pray together. God, we come to you today, Lord, humbled by your truth, and, and Lord, we need it, and Lord, we, we, we thank you for your direction and your guidance on our lives. Lord, help us not to fall into the pitfalls of this life, but Lord, to try to follow you, Lord, help us. We need your help. We need your leading to help us do that in this life, Lord. We know that sometimes we stink at it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your leadership in this life. Lord, as we attempt to be the people you've called us to, looking to things like the ants, God, help us. Help us not to just work hard for us, but to be mindful of your kingdom and what you've called us to, and Lord, use us for your glory. God, I pray for anyone that's here today, Lord, that is not a believer, that's never trusted in you. God, I pray that you would do that work in their life today. God, I pray that you'd save them today. God, I pray that they would just come to you and just say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Lead me in this life. Make my life matter for you and for your kingdom. God, I pray, Lord, that you, you would do that work in their heart today. God, thank you that we can come and ask that today. But we can because of what you did through your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray all of it. Amen.